Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Philadelphia Eagles, but it is a Warriors Wednesday brought to you by SFO. Go to flysfo.com slash winter for your chance to win $1,000 towards a nonstop flight from SFO today and our guys with the, I assume a nonstop flight coming up. I think it's Friday night. Butcher Boy and Bonte Hill. Bonte and the Butcher. The morning roast. The roasters are going east to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh yeah. Yes. 95-7 the game. Represent. Represent. I love Philly. I was in Philly for 36 hours once. Love the city. I'm a roaster. Yeah, I was in Philadelphia for about 20 minutes one time, drove through, and I looked nice from the freeway. Yeah, no, totally. Looked lovely. Sure. A couple of big buildings and uh, some people. wonder and if Eric Castleton's ever been to Philly. I bet he has. Now, it was a great time to ask him. What a transition right there. Kyle Madsen with the transition of the day. Eric Hasseltine joining us and all of our guests. Come on, courtesy of the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. Eric Hasseltine, Philadelphia as a city, your thoughts? Top 10 on the NBA Tour, no question. Uh, they've got a great uh, a great place called Redding Terminal, which is like this enormous food court in one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. It's a place called Tommy DeNix, and in fact, Adam Richmond... Uh, the guy that had to retire from all the eating competitions did the best sandwich in America competition. And he said Tommy DeNix was the best, so I had to try it. And he wasn't far off. It was really good. Wait, wait. Uh, but the rumors are not are not untrue. The people in Philadelphia, it's not the city of brotherly love. It's the city of uh, brotherly fighting at the dinner, dinner table. They're not exactly <laughs> uh, warm and friendly if you're not a Philadelphia Eagle, Philly, or Sixer fan. When or you, Fire fan. When you go to... A city? Do you have a routine, or do you try and try different different restaurants or different experiences when you're in that city? Oh gosh, why would I try something I don't know about when I know what I like? So no, I have a routine. I'm a, I'm about as boring as you can get with that. We do try new things, um, but I think what I, what what ends up happening more than anything, um, like for example, in San Francisco, being from here, I, I know. Uh, places to go, and, and so kind of people on our travel party rely on, on me giving them some information on where to go, where not to go, which there's very few places in a restaurant-type situation not to go here, but I always hit up Original Joe's in North Beach uh, because the owner, John Dugan, and his family have always taken such amazing care of us when we come in, and um, then I got to hit up uh, I got to hit up the Buena Vista for an Irish coffee to tribute my father, who introduced me to that once upon a time when I was on the road before he passed away, and um, then after that, who knows where we go? But uh, yeah, we kind of find the similar spots. It's it's usually somewhere near a hotel. We don't really get rental cars, so it's it's as best walking distances you can get. Uber's obviously been a godsend for uh, people like us that, that travel to cities without transportation. So yeah, man, it's uh, 
it's one of the perks of the job. It, there are times where it, it, it's not great, like when your kid's playing sports and you miss games, but um, being able to, especially like this city, be able to come back to where the area where I grew up and uh, see friends of mine from high school and college at games, it, it's, it makes the job that much better, and, and it already doesn't stink because we get to watch basketball and uh, uh, make a nice salary doing it, and it's ridiculous. I'm pretty sure we're all going to jail one day for stealing. Yeah, and I wonder if uh, there isn't some comeuppance on our own individual judgment days for how good we had it in this life, Eric. But uh, this is <laughs> right, exactly. You know, I want to know about that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget about that till that day. Yeah, and I, I try to have the same appreciation that you do. That way, when I do meet my maker, I can say, "Hey." Hey, mighty father, I didn't take it for granted. I appreciated how good I had it. And especially when it comes to this Memphis-Golden State rivalry now, appreciating how good we have it. And for Memphis, it's got to feel a little bit more of an edgy business trip after the way the first game happened. It's, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, unfortunately, they're going to be without uh, a guy who I really think is the unsung hero of this team, Stephen Adams. Um, who got injured in the game in Phoenix. This road trip has not gone the way the Grizzlies would like. Um, they let one slip away. I, I don't want to say that because I think that's disrespectful to the Lakers. The Lakers took one from them with a uh, with an aggressive nature at the end of a game that kind of slowed things down by getting fouled and disrupting the Grizzlies' rhythm. And I, I didn't think the Grizzlies executed down the stretch as, as, like they normally can. But winning on the road is always hard. They came out flat a couple nights later against Phoenix. They played a marvelous second half, but it was too little too late. And then uh, ran out of gas, I thought, in the fourth quarter in Sacramento. And that's a team that can help you run out of gas with as fast as they play. And it does turn out, I don't know if you guys have ever told your listeners this, Making only two shots in the fourth quarter really isn't a great strategy to win a basketball game. If you wouldn't mind me, me writing that down, if you great. could go ahead and you know fill time, I, I'm gonna have to write that one down, Eric. I'm not big yeah, on I'm analytics, so I'm gonna skip that. <laughs> two of nineteen on the analytical uh, stage of winning basketball games, going two for nineteen should right be ranked right at the bottom. To be honest with you, so mm. um, yeah, this one has an edginess to it. Um, the Grizzlies did not. Uh, did not put their best foot forward on Christmas. Part of that was because the Warriors played really well. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, Jordan Poole, those guys were terrific. Uh, you know, they, they had guys show up that the Grizzlies really, I don't think, had ever heard of. And um, that's not that's not something that should ever happen. We on the broadcast said, hey, these guys are wearing Warriors jerseys and in the game because they were at the you know local Walmart and hit the sale rack and said, hey, maybe I can get some run if I wear this jersey. They earned them and they're NBA players. And I think that's part of the maturation process for this group. They're still a young team chronologically. They've been together for a couple of years, but you know, it, it didn't happen overnight for Steph Curry and company either. They had to go through some of the bumps and bruises of learning how to win in the NBA, then learning how to be the hunted, not the hunter, so to speak, where teams use you as a benchmark for a victory. And that's kind of where the Grizzlies are. They're near the top of the Western Conference standings. They had a good run last year that was ended by Golden State. And, um, you know, they're quickly, as we like to say, becoming one of the more hated teams in the league, which some of them thrive on that. I think sometimes maybe too much where you're trying to play into that role where um, – I love our guys to death, but sometimes I'm just kind of sitting back going, yo, if you just play, it's, it's, it's a better situation than you playing up to the crowd, playing up to the reputation. But that's part of the growing up process of this league. And, and I think it's funny to me when fans will be like, well, well how many rings did you, do you have? Like, the, the Warriors have won four. Yeah, absolutely. And they earned all of them. But Steph Curry didn't come in in his third year and win a ring. He had to 
take his time and, and, and grow, and that's the way this league is. You can't be a, a dominant young team without some veteran influence and, and expect high levels of success without some bumps along the way. Talking with voice of the Grizzlies, Eric Hasseltine here. Eric, I'm curious your thoughts, just uh, as an outsider on the Warriors. They're 23-24, and 24, 47 games in. We kind of talk on this station all the time about, like, where is this team at? Are they good? Are they just waiting to, to, to flip a switch? What, what's, where, where do we kind of think this team is? Where do you, how do you view the Warriors as somebody that's, that's not in this market? Are they, like, a title contender? Or are they a team still figuring it out? I think any time you have Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green, you, you have to be a, uh, considered a contender. There's no question. For whatever reason, they have not found a good rhythm on the road. They have not played well on the road. I mean, I think the stretch was every game other than a, a game in Toronto. Uh, they they had given up 115 points or 113 points, some ridiculously non-normal number for them. Um, but they're also defending champions and four-time champions for most of those guys out over there and uh, for a lot of them. And um, a group that, let's be honest, sometimes when veteran teams get to this point, the regular season gets a little tedious. See what's happening with the Clippers. See what happens. And the Lakers is more injury-induced. Uh, but after they won that title the first year in the bubble year with uh, with Anthony Davis, the next couple of years, they, just, they look a little like, all right, let's just get to April and then we'll do our thing. And I do think that's a dangerous game to play. But if there's a group that can pull that off, certainly it's Golden State. Because when you start, I, I think, you know, not focusing in on the regular season, as good as these guys are, you, I think you do your team a little bit of a disservice in that you you don't know what your opponent's going to look like on the other side. Do you have home court advantage? Obviously, that didn't matter in the second round last year. And the reason the Warriors weren't the number two seed were, was injuries. The Grizzlies were very good, but the Warriors were ahead of them and then got hurt. And that's where the Grizzlies were able to overtake that. And the home court advantage was taken away in game one and never relinquished back. Uh, you know, it was a tremendous defensive play by Clay Thompson that prevented the Grizzlies from winning game one. And a lot of people say, well, if this and if that, well, those don't get you anything. Ifs don't matter. So I think this team knows what it takes to win down the stretch. Steve Kerr has just been a phenomenal head coach. Um, I, I got along great with him as a broadcaster. I thought it was front office exec he he had some challenges that that weren't necessarily all his doing but um as a coach this guy is phenomenal and i I love the way their teams play and i think a lot of teams have now people wonder why is the scoring up it's because teams have patterned after the way the warriors share the basketball teams have patterned after having a bench that can go in and and not miss a beat and, and players are better and your rosters are deeper and we're seeing essentially this Warriors system kind of being hybrid, you know, tweaked out with other teams. And it's great for the game because no offense, I really don't want to watch 1990s basketball where finals were 88, 84. That's not fun. You know, for a guy to hold the ball and just sit there and watch, you know, people beat up on each other. I want to watch the ball move. I want to watch these guys play at a level that, you know, a, a rec ball player could only dream of and think about how good these guys are. So um, I believe anybody gets these guys in the first round, uh, it, it's going to be a, a dog fight no matter what seed they are. I think they will eventually be out of the play-in situation. I don't think they're that type of team. I think they're easily one of the six best in the West. And, you know, now that they're healthy and Steph is back and, you know, as they stay healthy moving forward, 
um, they're they're a tough out. I'm, this one's going to be a tough one for the Grizzlies, who right now desperately need a win after an 11 game win streak, losing the first three on this road trip. An unfortunate start to the trip, and uh, always a big game when these two rivals, new rivals, get together. Eric Hasseltine, thanks for joining us. Have a good call tonight. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you guys for having me. Always appreciate it, and have a great afternoon. Looking forward to a great one tonight uh, over at Chase Center. What a great building that is, too. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, Eric. Thank you so much. Thanks, and uh, could be not a far-fetched to think about this as a possible first-round playoff preview in terms of where the Warriors are. Memphis right now, the two-seed, 31-16. and 16, And they have a little bit of a cushion ahead of Sacramento. Sacramento, Kyle, the three-seed right now, coming off of that demolishing of Memphis. They've won 7 of 10, and then you get really bunched up from 4 all the way down to the Lakers at 13. This West is going to be wild heading down into April. Sacramento in that game the other night finished the game on a 30-4 to run. Man. They won it by 33, and they outscored Memphis by 26 uh, at the end of the game. That was... That was nuts. That's a good team. And That's Eric, a good team. Eric Sac- mentioned it. Uh, just two field goals for Memphis in that fourth quarter. I was about to hit you with a John Curley, former producer, current sales guy. <laughs> His go-to was always uh, fair or foul, real or fake. Sacramento Kings, real or fake. Now, it looks like they're going to be a playoff team, but are they good enough to win a playoff series for the first time Ooh. since you were in high school? Yeah, 2006 was the last time. No, 2000. Four, I think, was the last time they won a playoff series. Like that is, but no, uh, Sacramento's oh Sacramento's good. Now it depends. Real on or who, fake? They're. I think they're real, but they have a tough time playing defense sometimes. And in a playoff series, we've seen time and time again with the Warriors when they figure a team out, it's when they figure them out defensively. So. That would be my big concern with Sacramento, but when you're talking real or fake, they're they're absolutely a very very good team. But good enough to win in the playoffs is I think where and and now the the bar's been moved obviously for Sacramento because yeah. they've been so good for so long. Now the number three seed in the West, twenty seven and nineteen. Even if they were to have some sort of a fade, they still wind up about five hundred, most likely in that top six in a playoff spot. And, uh, you know, the West is going to be difficult no matter where you are. The Warriors right now sitting in 10th place. They're tied with Oklahoma City in the 10 spot. So not a lot of margin for error for Golden State. Yeah, they've got to... They, and this is where my concern comes in. Because Eric mentioned they're really healthy kind of for the first time in a while. And that's what happened with the Niners, right? They dealt with all these injury issues through the first five, six, seven weeks, and then they just kind of got healthy. And yeah, they had guys banged up here and there, but they started getting to put chances to play together, and they won now 12 in a row. Maybe that's all Golden State needs. Maybe they need Jonathan Gaminga healthy and James Wiseman, you know, playing his few minutes here and there, and Steph Curry's back in the lineup healthy. And maybe we do see them kind of turn it on down the stretch and wind up as the four, three, four seed, something like that. Like, it's not off the table. But the problem is, is... I'm go I'm I'm basing that off what we know about this team from years past. I've not them seen them play well enough consistently enough this year with this group of players to go, oh yeah, that's that's a team that's definitely gonna figure it out. Just wait, just wait for it. Like Mark's putting his panic meter away, he's letting it ride right. no matter what happens. I mine's out, man. 
My panic meter's out. Well, mine's been out, and I've said this, uh, you know, from the start when they opened up three and seven, and we were coming off the Draymond Green punch of Jordan Poole, and this team has not shown yet a real long stretch where they have coalesced and they've really played that well together. They do have a five-game win streak. All five of those games coming at home. They had that eight-game homestand. They won their first five, and then they lost to Detroit, Orlando, and Phoenix in succession. And since then, it's been one step forward, two steps back, two forward, one back. It's been very uneven. If you do look at the schedule between now and the All-Star break, mostly favorable. You've got some softer opponents. Toronto's in there. Washington, they're not playoff teams. Portland's a team that is on the cusp of maybe give up mode. Oklahoma City is a team fighting for playoff relevance. So a lot of winnable games and only a couple of games you look at and say, well, that's a loss. Like Denver on the second half of back-to-back and the Clippers also on the second half of a back-to-back. Yeah, both of those on the road, which yeah. is which makes it even harder. But no, I, I the 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 thing I come back to with the Warriors is they have some really good wins on their schedule too. They've shown they beat Boston at home and then they throttle Memphis on Christmas Day. And it's like, okay, that team is there. They go they go to San Antonio and and blow out the Spurs 144 to 113. Like, hey, they 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 crushed a bad team. So those flashes have been there, but again, I need to see it consistently. Can you beat Memphis tonight and then beat the Raptors on Friday and get a couple of wins before you go on the road? And then Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Denver, go 2 and 1 with your loss to Denver. Like you feel good about it. Like they just need to start getting beating teams that they should beat and not losing to Orlando and not losing to Detroit and not losing to a super short-handed Phoenix Suns team. That's why the I, I I said before that game, if they lose to Phoenix, the homestand, the five game winning streak is just for naught. And Mark said that's a that's a ira- that's a rational fan response. Right. It's like, but it's not because they started stacking these wins, and it's like, great, there's the Warriors. Exactly, here they are without Steph Curry. But then, oh, here's the bad Warriors that's going to lose to Detroit, and it's going to let Orlando hang around, and then and then pull away and win by 14, and then is going to get blown out by the Suns. I know they made it close at the end. Exactly, but we got blown out for most of the game by a Suns team that was playing nobody. Then you beat the Spurs in front of a record large crowd. You got up for that one, and then you go to. Chicago, you lay an egg, you gut it out over Washington, you had Boston by the short hairs, you let them off the hook, you bounce back impressively without anybody really against nice Cleveland. Win. The really baby nice dubs win. come out, you beat Cleveland, okay, you stole one, then you give one back to Brooklyn with a blown lead. So since that five-game win streak, they've lost six of nine, and of the six they've lost, two of them were straight giveaways. So I'm still of the same mindset as you, but you look at the upcoming schedule, six of the 11 are at home. You've got OKC, Minnesota, and Denver on a three-game road trip, three games in four nights. You hope that you can get the first two, and that way you can punt on the Denver game because that one feels like a classic Wishnowski. Uh, oh, you know, the third game in four nights. Give me Denver right now minus 25. Well, and you never know with this team, though, because we saw that against Cleveland where the Warriors punted on that game. They didn't play anybody, and yet they came out and they won that game outright. And that spread went from eight. It opened Cleveland minus eight, and it immediately jumped to 10.5 or 11. And then the Warriors won that game outright. So that kind of is where I am with this Warrior team. You just never know which team's going to show up night to night. But the one thing I I think you can bank on is – 
the Warriors against Memphis. They're going to be up for tonight's game. They're going to give their best effort. They're going to play everybody that they can possibly play, including, by the way, James Wiseman listed as probable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I was going to say good to have him back in the rotation, but is it? Well, is know. he back in the rotation? Yeah, it, right. It's, it's good to have him back. Yeah, he's healthy. That's A-plus. Yes. I'm happy for him. And honestly, if he is able to go tonight, you would imagine that he'll play six minutes, maybe eight. Yeah. And if he plays great in the opening stint and things are going well, he might get a second stint. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to get more than 12 minutes, I would imagine. So, yes, he's back. But I, don't, I wouldn't say that he's back in the rotation. I think part of the thing that's so frustrating for me with the Warriors this year is you talked about Brooklyn. That's a game the Warriors had. Yeah. They just couldn't close it out. Same thing in uh, against Boston. Like they just couldn't close that game out. They've had so many losses this year where they've snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. And that's I think why I I have this concern is because they're losing games the same way it seems. If you just didn't get up for Orlando because you'd won 5 of 6 at home and you know what they sneak up on you and they beat you. Okay. If you're going to lose to Detroit because Sadiq Bay made a sick fallaway three at the end to avoid overtime and beat you, okay, you know what? That happens. But the amount of games that they've had, I go back to that one in Utah where they blew like a five-point lead in, in eight seconds or whatever it was. Like, that's that's just a game you can't lose. Yeah. And they've had so many like that this year where it's like, hey, play well for three minutes here at the end and you got it. And they and they yeah, unable to close. I, I was listening to Tim Roy on my drive, my quote unquote drive back, my parking lot experience back from Levi Stadium Oof. on Sunday night, which you, you didn't miss anything back. when you were in Orlando. Worst traffic in Levi's history, right. according to sources. But where is your concern meter greater? Warriors' chances to make a run this year or Warriors' chances of keeping Bob Myers? Because a report out that uh, the contract negotiations are generally uncertain. This from Tim Kawakami in The Athletic. A little bit of a of a murky situation. The longer this goes on with Bob Myers not signed, the greater the speculation as to whether or not he'll leave. Where's your concern, Ometer, higher? Bob Myers' future or the Warriors' ability to go on a run? Bob Myers' future. Because if Joe Lacob is going to put his hands into decision-making processes and decides that there's a direction he wants to go. I don't think Bob Myers is the kind of guy that's just going to sign a contract and go with whatever Joe Lacob wants. Like if Joe Lacob's going to say, we're doing it this way, whether you like it or not, Bob Myers is going to peace out. And that's where I have concern for the dubs because it's pretty rare that you get an owner that's super hands-on that you find success with. And that's not that Joe Lake has been great. He's yeah. he's been incredible. But it's really hard to be a team owner that doesn't have a basketball background, by the way, who does not have nearly the 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 gravitas the gravitas the bona fides, Thank if you. you will, that that <laughs> it's been like that. that a Steve Kerr or or a Bob Myers have. Right, like, you're gonna, even Mike Dunleavy and, and the rest of the front office, and that yeah. that's where a lot of Warrior fans are concerned. Where if Bob Myers leaves. Maybe you, you turn the keys to the kingdom over to one of his sons who have been around the organization and they've done great things in the front office, but they haven't done what Bob Myers has done in terms of basketball operations and running a team. So there is cause for concern and only time will tell. And 
According to the report, the Clippers, the Knicks, the Suns, the Wizards, all lining up, licking their chops for maybe the ultimate scoop and score in terms of a front office fine. So we'll keep an eye on the ongoing Bob Myers situation. Apparently a couple of contract offers have been made, and uh, Bob Myers obviously hasn't signed alleged offers. So that's something that's kind of hanging over the organization as they continue this odd sort of year. The Road to Glendale brought to you by the SF Sheriff's Office. Your future begins here. Visit sfsheriff.com to apply today. A lot of medical questions, not only around the 49ers, but around the NFL. As we head into Conference Championship Weekend, Dr. Brian Feely from UCSF Health, cleared to play, comes up next. It's Willard and Dips with Kyle Matson in for Mark Willard on 95.7 The Game. Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. Welcome back. It's Willard and Dibs. Kyle Madsen is in for Mark Willard, who is eagerly champing at the bit to get back in the mix tomorrow, up in 15 minutes. Final thoughts from Kyle on the Eagles and 49ers matchup. It's Wednesday, Kyle. We start to really turn our attention toward the weekend's football action. Yeah, the page-turning day. Always, The day the page turns. As the page turns. Yes, that's a soap opera, I think. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not. And, uh, you know, you always want to turn the page while also respecting the past. But we're, we're done talking about the Cowboys, although the Cowboys and Niners do play next year. So when we get into the offseason and the schedule comes out, Kyle, we can ramp up Cowboy talk again. But right now it's time for Cleared to Play, where we take you inside the tent to get you updated on the latest injuries in the Bay and beyond. We're proud to partner with UCSF Health on this segment as we bring in Professor professor and Chief of Sports Medicine at UCSF, Dr. Brian Feely. Dr. Brian Feely, how you doing today? I'm still recovering from... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A Dallas win. That was nice. Yeah, super nice. And we can all bask in it, but as we get closer to Sunday and the Niners being the team that gets to play again, we need to look at some of the injuries. Let's start with Christian McCaffrey, who was... Clearly nursing a bit of a calf strain on the sideline. What do you think about the situation that he's dealing with? You know, I think all signs point that he's going to play. I think the nice thing about being at the end of the season, most players are going to play through anything that they can play. The hard part for McCaffrey or any either of the running backs, him or Mitchell with these day-to-day injuries, is that it'll probably limit him a little bit in terms of his ability to push off and drive forward. So if you think about if you've ever had a bruise in your calf or you've strained your calf, um, you don't get that quite the same push off. And for the change of directions, he might be slightly slower. But realistically, how much is that going to slow him down in the middle of a championship push? Probably not that much. Yeah, that's and and how do they treat that during the week? So they limit him in practice. They're you know taking some of the workload off that calf. Is it just constant twenty four hour treatment there, or do you just have to let it rest? How do they how do they go about that? Yeah, it's usually a combination of both. It's a lot of rest and just letting your body do what it does does best, and that's let your muscle recover. Your muscle has a tremendous blood supply, so for these mild to moderate injuries. If you just give your body time, it's going to get better. Other things that you typically do is a fair amount of stretching so the muscle and the soft tissues around the muscle don't get too tight. And then something to really accelerate healing, icing, keeping the inflammation down. It's not something that we usually talk about doing injections for, but it is, it is something that will get better, especially on days five, six, and seven, um, will make a difference in how he feels as he gets closer to that game. Elijah Mitchell dealing with a groin issue as he heads into Sunday's game. What can a running back do in terms of trying to limit the pain in the groin heading into Sunday's game at Philly? Yeah, same thing. I mean, we saw with Andrew Wiggins. This is really something that, depending on the severity of the strain, can keep you out for a few weeks. So hopefully two things. One, it's not that severe. And the fact that he's listed as day-to-day really suggests that this is a less severe strain than uh, Wiggins had. And the fact that we'll have a we'll have another game in two weeks after this, so we've got time to uh, get better for the Super Bowl. I want to shift over to the Philadelphia Eagles and their show and and their quarterback Jalen Hurts who injured his shoulder back on December eighteenth. So he missed a couple of games. They had the bye week. Is the expectation that his shoulder would be fully healed by now, or is there maybe some concern on Philadelphia's side that he could hurt that worse come Sunday? Yeah, I don't. I doubt it's fully, fully healed. I think it's all about how much does it affect his performance. And for a mobile quarterback, it's plus and minus. The plus part is he's always a threat to run. If you remember last year, he ran for over 80 yards against us. But the mobile quarterbacks are at risk for being tackled and landing on that shoulder. So as we saw with Garoppolo last year, you can be healthy enough to play and healthy enough to be pretty effective, but you're probably not 100%. And if I were the Eagles, I would be trying to tell him, slide as much as possible, really protect that shoulder so that your throws are going to remain accurate.
When we look at the other quarterback in the other game, Patrick Mahomes is dealing with a high ankle sprain. How can we know how severe the high ankle sprain is? And is there anything that he can wear in terms of a brace or an injection in order to be able to play so quickly after sustaining that injury? Yes, I think the fact that he was able to come back into the game and the fact that it looks like he's practicing today suggests it's not that severe. Obviously, it's easy for me to say as somebody who's just going to walk around today and I'm not trying to plant and throw a football. But if they're going to let him play and the fact that he's already back at practice suggests that there's no widening of the bones in his lower leg, which would mark how severe this injury is. He can't really wear anything around his um, around his leg that's going to tighten that enough. As soon as he steps, anything that you wrap the leg with is going to stretch out. It's possible they do an injection into that area, but that, a high ankle sprain really covers about 7-8 centimeters. So it's not something that you can inject all that easily. My guess is it's going to hurt, but if he's stable and he's able to plant and throw... He's probably the best quarterback out there, even not at 100%. It's going to be interesting to see how the week plays out. Dr. Brian Feely from UCSF, appreciate you coming on, and thank you for the insights. All right, man. Go Niners. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we're talking football injuries again as we head into the Super Bowl. The preceding was sponsored by UCSF Health. Interesting what he said about Patrick Mahomes in terms of injection because the sight of it, he said seven to eight Centimeters, So you're talking about two inches, I think three centimeters per inch. So you're dealing with two to three inches in terms of the injured area. So when you go to inject pain medicine into an area, it's a very finite location where you put that in. And if the injury is over the entire length of a ligament, hard to really get enough injection in there to mitigate the pain. And that's probably what it's just going to be about is how functional can he be? And you said this earlier, and I thought it was a great point. You have Andy Reid as their head coach, one of the best offensive minds in the game. He's going to watch what Patrick Mahomes can and can't do, and they're going to base their offensive game plan around that. They're not going to ask Mahomes to do anything that's going to put him at a make him a detriment to their offense. They're not going to do a ton of like, hey, we're going to roll out a lot because we think that'll work against the Bengals. Like, no, he's probably going to be pretty stationary. And also, I don't think that they're going to put him in a position where he could hurt his leg to the point where it risks the rest of his career. And I know the ankle's a little bit different than if he had, let's say, a partially torn Achilles and maybe a complete rupture could happen. So you don't want to put him out there. I don't know if a high ankle sprain could get to a point where it would endanger his career. But it's a tough one because you're one win away. And if you can play through the pain and win, now you've got two weeks to get better before the Super Bowl. So be interesting to see how Kansas City plays it. You had the report earlier that uh, Patrick Mahomes was out there today and he was a full go at practice. I don't know how much practicing they're going to do, but the fact that he's able to be out there and is a full go. And I'm sure we'll get an update from Kansas City a little bit later as to how it went. The Road to Glendale, brought to you by Marowest Credit Union, working for you today, tomorrow, together. On the other side, we'll get more into the Eagles and the 49ers. Kyle and I, a little bit concerned about the 49ers' ability to go to Philadelphia and win. If you've got reasons why the Niners will win, give us a call, 888 You can hit us on the Xfinity Mobile text line as well. Steiny and Goo are revved up 
They'll come in for the changeover as well. It's Willard and Dibbs, Kyle Madsen, in for Mark Willard on 95.7 The Game. Huge butt. Now, back to Will and Dibby on 95.7 The Game. Now we're back in. It's Willard and Dibbs. Kyle Madsen in for Mark Willard. Mark is back tomorrow, and it's a reminder that all our guests are brought to you on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. We thank Cam Inman for joining us, Eric Hasseltine, and Dr. Brian Feely, who just came in. And Kyle, I wish I had this news before we could have asked Dr. Brian Feely about the latest that's come out from 49ers practice today. Debo Samuel added to the DNP out list today with an ankle issue. How concerned are you by this news that Debo won't practice due to an ankle? Is this just old injury maintenance or maybe something that cropped up against Dallas? Well, he hasn't been on the injury report the last couple of weeks, which is make me makes me think that it's something new. But Shanahan also said they expect Debo to play. So maybe this is a one of those like, hey, you know what? Your ankle's a little bit sore. We're going to sit you out because Debo doesn't need to practice on Wednesday. Wednesday's mostly, like Cam said earlier, right. mostly a walkthrough type of day. So as long as Debo's at least limited by Friday, and I'm guessing he'll be a full go on Friday, I don't really have a huge concern. But it's not great that a new injury pops up unexpectedly on the first uh, practice report. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey won't practice with the calf. Elijah Mitchell due to the groin. Jimmy Garoppolo, he gets a mention in today's show. He also will not practice due to the foot. Ambry Thomas limited due to the ankle. And here's the other piece of news, Kyle. Charles Amenahu, due to the oblique, will be limited. And Kyle Shanahan spoke about Charles Amenahu, who was arrested on Monday on suspicion of misdemeanor domestic violence in an incident with his girlfriend Shanahan speaking before practice today said quote we're letting the legal process take care of itself so if he's healthy he'll play this week and Shanahan added quote we've looked into it the last 48 hours not only himself but other people we don't feel we should kick him off our team at this time the NFL's weighed in on the issue as well Quote, the matter will be reviewed under the league's personal conduct policy. There is no change to his status. So looks like Charles Amenahu, unless something else comes out from the incident that happened Monday or a prior previous incident, looks like Charles Amenahu, health pending, will be good to go Sunday at Philadelphia. This was the expected response. Yes, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm... If you told me to write what Kyle Shanahan was going to say, it would be something almost exactly what he said. Like, they're not going to... If... Like like we said, if this was a felony, then it's probably very different. Yes. But how we've seen NFL teams handle these domestic violence situations, they're going to wait until the last... We would all love to see any domestic violence be like, pull the plug, they're gone. That's not how a team's going to handle it, realistically. As right. bad as as bad as we might want them to. So this is about what I was expecting. And uh, the reports are that Amanahu, quote, pushed his girlfriend to the ground during an argument. She complained of arm pain, but officers did not observe any visible physical injuries. She declined medical attention. So I think those are 
significant pieces of information in terms of how the team and how the league would proceed. The fact that she declined medical attention and that officers did not observe any visible physical injuries. And you add to that piece the fact that it's a misdemeanor charge that he's facing. All of those things, to me, add up to the league and the team taking this tack in terms of their approach. Yep. And that's that's what they're going to do because they don't want teams is again as bad as we might want them to. Teams don't want to set. They're going to tell you they have a no tolerance policy, but that's no tolerance once the legal system is played out and once they've gathered all the facts and they've seen where it goes. It's not zero tolerance. The second there's uh, an arrest, they're gone. That's just not how it's worked. And a team doesn't want to set that precedent for themselves where they have to do this. Any time, like they just, they're not going to. Right. And, and exactly. Even if that's the right thing. Right. Even if it were week four, especially now that it is week, you know, 21 and you're heading into the conference championship game where, you know, you, you want to make sure you have all the players you can possibly have. Charles Amenahu has played a big role this year on the defensive line and he's heading into free agency. And, you know, for him and his sake, hopefully he can put this behind himself and then be able to go out there and, and get a free agent contract in the offseason, and if he does go out and gets compensated, then the 49ers would get another comp pick. And I was just looking at the reports out there. I think Matt Mayoko had it, that the 49ers going into next year's draft are going to have six compensatory picks, three for players in rounds five, six, and seven, and three third-round players for the minority candidates that they've lost to other teams. Yeah, they're, they're in line right now to have 10 picks in this year's draft. That's after the Trey Lance trade. That's after the Christian McCaffrey trade. They're still projected to receive three comp picks for players. You mentioned three comp picks for head coaches and GMs. So walk me through that because they traded their first round pick in the Trey Lance deal, which now will fall uh, no higher than 29 based on how they finish. Actually, it'll be no higher than 30, I think, because they have... They have a better record than the Bengals. If the Bengals lose, then the Bengals would be ahead of them on the draft. They also traded their fifth, sixth, and seventh, right? In the, or no, the third, third, fourth, and fifth. Second and third. The fifth was next year. Right. And the second and third was for this upcoming draft. Correct. Okay. Um, And the, and the fourth. Second, third, and fourth, and a future fifth. So they already didn't have their first, second, third, and fourth in this upcoming draft Mm -hmm. due to trades. Right. But now they get three thirds and they get a fifth, sixth, and seventh coming their way. Right. So they have three compensatory thirds for the Robert Sala, Martin Mayhew, Mike McDaniel, Rand Carthon hires. The new expanded Rooney rule. So they have three comp picks in the third round for that. No fourth, no first or second, no fourth. They have their own fifth. They have a fifth rounder via Miami from the Jeff Wilson Jr. trade. And then they get another compensatory pick in the fifth round. They have a compensatory sixth round pick that they're going to get for, who did we say? DJ Jones? Right. So they have a compensatory pick in the fifth for DJ Jones, a compensatory sixth for Arden Key. They have their own seventh. They have a seventh via Denver because of the Jonas Griffith trade. 
Wow. Forgot You're about welcome. that one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the greatest athlete to ever come out of Indiana State University, Jonas Griffith. That's a true fact. Uh, don't say that to Steiny. That might hurt a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Steiny Guru coming in here in just mere moments. I'm running material. You could have saved uh, that for the changeover. That <laughs> would have played, so. played very well, yeah, coming up. So they, they, they have a seventh rounder for that, and then they get a seventh round compensatory comp pick for K1 Williams. And you hear, you know, day late day two, day three picks, yeah. and you're going, so what? Give me the first rounders, but... Fred Warner, George Kittle, Talanoa Hufanga, Eli Mitchell, uh, they, they've DJ Jones. All of these guys are are fines from day two and day three of the draft. So the Niners. Did you mention Brock Purdy? Brock yeah. Purdy, of course. Okay, Brock you. Purdy, yeah. Uh, Dre Greenlaw. Yeah, exactly. I, at fingers crossed, that compensatory seventh round pick is the 262nd pick, by the way. They've done well with Mr. Irrelevance uh, in the recent one past. So, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't wait until uh, we see how Brock does this Sunday and we look at the draft when we get to the draft. But just looking at it from 10,000 feet above, this is not a team that's going to have a lot of needs going into next year. You're looking at another edge rusher, if possible, maybe a, a future tackle as Trent Williams gets toward the back end of his career. But I don't know if you can find a real elite left tackle that late in the draft. It's really hard. Yeah. It's really, really tough. That's the other thing. When you talk about how this team got built, and maybe we'll get into this a little further tomorrow, but just whether this is sustainable, the model of not having a Joe Burrow or a Patrick Mahomes or a player like Jalen Hurts has become... And can you just build a team around a, a kind of generic quarterback? And the fact that the Niners acquired Trent Williams the day Joe Staley retired for a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick in future drafts, or a fifth-round pick in that draft, third-round future pick, that's a coup. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And it speaks to what uh, Washington had done in terms of the treatment of Trent Williams, a guy who was going through cancer and Washington tried to recoup his salary based on his unwillingness in their eyes to play through that sort of an incident. And so Trent Williams double guns to the Washington organization and the Niners in a great spot to scoop and score. Trent Williams obviously going to play a huge role on Sunday against a nasty Philadelphia Eagles front, which to me is, if I look at the things that scare me the most about this matchup, it's the Philly defensive line against the Niner offensive line. Mike McGlinchey has struggled at times in pass protection, and Philadelphia with a very tough interior defensive line against a Niner interior three that had a little trouble against Dallas. So that's one of, I think, the saving graces for the Niners. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 